Good morning and welcome to all our guests, visitors, and those listening on radio. Thank you for joining us for worship at First Church this morning. Before we start our service, I have several announcements. First of all, I'd like to thank Mr. Jack Lenartz for the prelude this morning. Jack is from New Bremen and is the son of Bill and Amby Lenartz. Uh, he is also one of Sharon Cheney's piano students. He is heading back to his own church in a, in a little while to do the prelude there as well. So thank you very much, Jack, for being with us this morning. Today is Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Packing Party. You're invited to the social room following worship this morning. Packing will begin at 10.15, and lunch will be served at 11 a.m. You're also able to come after Sunday school, if you will. Tomorrow's Veterans Day. Please remember those who are serving, who have served our country in all branches of the armed services. The roses on the altar this morning are in honor of two couples who are celebrating wedding anniversaries of 50 years or more this week. First, we have Mike and Lynn McCabe, who will be celebrating 55 years of marriage on November 14th. And then we have Terry and Rebecca Houston, who will be celebrating 56 years of marriage on November 16th. So congratulations to both couples. We are still looking for one person to cook a turkey for our church Thanksgiving dinner, which will be held on Thursday, November 20th. So if you're interested, please contact the church office. Turkeys are being picked up on November 18th and will be delivered to the homes of those who are cooking them. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. I encourage you to take the time to look them over. And now as we start our service, those who are able, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship. This morning is taken from Psalm 136, verses 1 through 9 and also verses 23 through 26. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone who does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars to govern the night. He remembered us in our low estate and freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks. To the God of heaven. Please remain standing for opening hymn, hymn number four, How Great Thou Art.
before I call the children to come forward for the children chat, just a friendly reminder that we have a youth. Uh, the youth are singing after that, so those who are singing just stay up here after the children chat is over with. Morning. Good morning. How are you all? Good. Well, guess what? Yesterday, I went to a really, really, really big Christmas store, and they have just like thousands of ornaments. And I got a couple presents. Do you guys want to see? Yeah. Yeah, they wrapped them. Well, here's my first gift that they wrapped. What? What's wrong with it? It doesn't what? It doesn't look wrapped? What? <laughs> it looks like you're wrapping? Well, <laughs> oh, you wrapped better presents before. Oh, kind of wrapped the present before you trust you. It's just his wrapping skills? Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, what's wrong with my gift? I think it looks pretty cool. You too? What's wrong with it? It's not pretty? Well, why isn't it pretty? I didn't wrap. How are you supposed to wrap it? I have no clue. Are you supposed to, like, take the corners? Are you supposed to, like, take the corners and, like, nicely fold them and nicely tape them? So you're saying this isn't nicely done? Okay. Well, she gave me one other gift, so let me see if this is nicely done. Hey, Kai Kai, what about this gift? What about this one? Is this nicely done? Yeah. Did the clerk do a, a lot better job on this present than the last present? I think so, too. So she didn't do so well on this one. She did a lot better on this one. They, what? They have the same paper, but do they look the same? This one kind of looks the same from the back, but from the front, they don't look the same, do they? You know what? It's kind of like God's perfect love. And what I mean by that is sometimes our life can be really, really, really messy and kind of just all thrown together. But as soon as we have Christ in our hearts and we accept Jesus in our hearts, things start coming a little bit more put together. And what I mean by that is, you know, in Sunday school, we listen to our teachers and we listen to our Bible stories and we talk about joy and we talk about happiness and we talk about being polite to others. But those are all different tools that our teachers are teaching you because Jesus taught them. Jesus teaches us in the Bible every single day through a bunch of different scriptures how to treat each other and how to be kind to one another, how to love one another, and honestly, how to forgive one another. Because we're just humans who do sometimes sinful things, and we have this in our life. But with Jesus, we can be looking like a little more pretty of a package than what we don't have Jesus in our life, right? So let's go ahead and pray, okay? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for being in our hearts, being in our lives, and giving us tools 
that help us live better for you and to serve you and to show others your love, your forgiveness, and how they can also have you in their life. Be with us this week. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Lost in our service in the last week. Fort Bragg, North Carolina, Sergeant Matthew D. Joskovitz, 24, from Hackensack, New Jersey. In California, aviation machinist mate, third class, Lane Mitchell Nota, 29, from New Mexico. Also today is the day before Veterans Day. So at this time, I would appreciate if you have served in the Army, would you please stand? If you have served in the Navy, please stand. If you have served in the Coast Guard, please stand. If you have served in the Air Force, please stand. First of all, thank you very much.
As you know, Veterans Day began with what us old folks refer to as Armistice Day. Armistice Day, of course, was to celebrate the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918 when the ceasefire occurred all through the combatants in World War I. Interestingly, it took until June 28th of 1919 when the Treaty of Versailles was signed, which officially ended World War I. To give you an idea of the scope, the reason it's called World War I was that it was one of the first times when everything was engaged in one period of time, lasting about four years. In that time in the world, among combatants, those who were in military services, between 8 and 10 million were killed. In addition to that, there were another 7 or 8 million civilians who either were killed or died of famine and disease. And so that was called at that time the Great War. Also, some folks said a war to end all wars. As we know, of course, that wasn't true. But interestingly enough, a year after the first armistice, an address from the President of the United States, Woodrow Wilson, on November 11, 1919, he said this, A year ago today our enemies laid down their arms in accordance with an armistice which rendered them impotent to renew hostilities and gave to the world an assured opportunity to reconstruct its shattered order and to work out in peace a new and juster set of international relations. The soldiers and people of the European allies had fought and endured for more than four years to uphold the barrier of civilization against aggressive aggressions of armed force. We ourselves had been in that conflict something more than a year and a half. With splendid forgetfulness of more personal concerns, we remodeled our industries, concentrated our financial resources, increased our agricultural output, and assembled a great army so that at the last our power was a decisive factor in the victory. We were able to bring the vast resources, material and moral, of a great and free people to the assistance of our associates in Europe who had suffered and sacrificed without limit, in the cause for which we fought. Out of this victory, there arose new possibilities of political freedom and economic concert. The war showed, the war showed us the strength of great nations acting together for high purposes, and the victory of arms foretells the enduring conquest which can be made in peace when nations act justly and in furtherance of the common interests of men. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord God, we worship you this morning uh, as a God of justice, a God of holiness, and also a God of peace. Lord, we look forward to the day when we no longer have to 
Lord, wage war when war would no longer be a reality in this world because your kingdom has come in its fullness and we can experience the, the peace and the joy and the uh, love and the mercy, Lord, that can found, be found only and fully in you. So, Lord, in, until that day comes, until your kingdom comes in its fullness, we, we realize that, that war and, and, and is a reality in this world. And so we thank you for the, the men and women who have put themselves in harm's way to protect those around us, Lord, to, to protect our freedoms in this country, to, Lord, go and um, lay down, and in some cases, lay down their lives for those, Lord, that they may never have known or met. Lord, we thank you because it is in Christ that we see the perfect fulfillment of this kind of love, a self-sacrificing love, Lord. Uh, and he's the one who said in John chapter 15 that, that greater love has no one than this, than a, that a man should lay down his life for his friend. And so, Lord, this day we, we recognize all those who have served in this way, and we, we ask that you would honor and bless their service and their commitment to, uh, to the cause of, of this country. And we ask, Lord, that you would um, also be with those families, Lord, who have endured much uh, while their loved ones were enlisted and, and, and many times deployed in, in other parts of this world. And, Lord, we ask that your kingdom would come, Lord, that one day we would no longer have to Lord, uh, be living in a world that has been ravaged by war and violence, but we would experience the fulfillment of your kingdom and be able to experience true peace as you mean for it to be, Lord. And so we ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in that way. Lord, we also lift up those uh, in this world that have been affected by war, especially those, Lord, in parts of our country that are still experiencing, or parts of our world that are still experiencing those effects. We ask, Lord, for your peace to reign in those areas. We ask for, Lord, uh, an end to violence and conflict where it is possible, and that you would, uh, that you would be with those families, Lord, and those that have been in the middle of those conflicts. Lord, uh, this also brings to mind the the great need that we have to, to show love and, and be there for those in need. Uh, we pray, especially this day, with the packing party for the Operation Christmas Child boxes, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to bless those, Lord, that we have never met. And, and some of those knowing that they are going to areas that have been affected by war and violence in the, in the past years. We ask for your blessing to be on those boxes. We ask, Lord, for... Uh, we thank you for your provision and the many ways that you've shown it and ask, Lord, that as we pack those boxes today and, and send them off into their destinations next week, that you would bless those who receive them. Uh, we lift up the concerns that are before us represented in our bulletin this morning. Uh, Lord, you know what it is that is needed. Um, Lord, to, to us, we, we see a list of names, but to, but to you, Lord, you know exactly what is going on in their heart and their mind and their body. And so we ask for your healing where it's needed and your provision, Lord, in all things. We ask these things in Christ's name who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to stand with me if you're able and continue to worship with us as we sing number 513, Oh, How He Loves You and Me.
may be seated. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to give back now um, in the many ways that you have blessed us. Lord, we know that every good and perfect gift is from you. And, and so, Lord, we thank you for the way you've provided for us in our lives. And this offering now is an opportunity for us to share that blessing and share that love uh, with those who are uh, with the opportunity, Lord, to advance your kingdom in this world. We thank you for this and pray that you would use these funds to honor, uh, that to bring you glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
church. Let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the reading this morning is from 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are all like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. 
The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love also their brother and sister. Thank you. You may be seated. Lord, I ask now that you would uh, honor the reading of your word, that as we open it together this morning, that you would uh, give me words to speak, and that you'd open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in college, uh, my first couple years there at Anderson University, I was in a, a physics program, physics and math major, uh, looking to become a, a teacher uh, one day. And uh, during my time there, I got to be uh, one of the lab assistants in the physics class. And my responsibilities pretty much entailed going in ahead of time and setting up these lab experiments so that the class then would come in and be able to, to do what they needed to do for their studies. And so... That meant the responsibility fell on me to get it all set up right so that they could do what they needed to do. One of the, one of the labs that year in our phys- physics class was uh, to do with electricity and magnetism. And so my responsibility was to go in and, and set up this whole circuit in and, and series with wires and conductors and, and lights and switches so that they could do their experiment and, and, do it and, and, and study what they needed to study. Uh, as I was preparing uh, the sermon here today, I was reminded this call to love, uh, this, this conversation about God's love for us and then in turn our love for others is like we're called to be conductors and not insulators. We're called to conduct God's love in and through us and pass it on to others. See, like a conductor uh, conducts electricity, allows electricity to pass through it into its intended goal. God's love for us is not meant to just stop with us. It's meant to be passed on to others. And so we need to be like that conductor in that lab experiment. We need to be willing and able to pass God's love in and receive it for ourselves, first of all, and then pass it on to others as we are able. Notice what he says here in the first couple verses. Uh, he says, let us love one another, for love comes from God. In other words, love find its, finds its source, finds its origin in God. And so true love comes from him. Notice here it says that God is love. It is who he is. That he can't help but be loving because that is a part of his very nature. So therefore, everything he does, he does in love. Even his provision and his withholding is done because God loves his creation. He loves us. I can't help but think of, uh, use a, to use a parenting analogy, uh, thinking of this, right? Everything that God does is loving, even when he says no to our prayers. Even when God withholds something that we think is best for us, God sometimes says no because he knows that, that not having it, that withholding that is truly what is best for us. Right? Just as a parent, when we don't just give in to everything our kids ask us for, Right? We don't have candy for dinner every night. Right? How many of you have been experiencing that with Halloween last week? Right? There's candy in the house, so we want to have candy for every meal. Right? As a parent, it would be wrong, it would be bad of me, it would be unloving of me to allow our kids to have candy every night for dinner. The loving thing to do 
is to say no. And so because God is love, everything he does for us, everything he does in this world, everything he does out of his character and his nature is loving. And it says that God is love, but notice it doesn't say that love is God. In other words, God is the one who defines what true, authentic love is, not any sort of standards or or definition that we may put on it. And God is not an impersonal force or some idea. He's not just floating out there in terms of some abstract idea like love or something else. Instead, he is a personal God who demonstrated his love for us in real and practical ways. See, that's how we can know what love is, by looking to God. And particularly, we see here in this passage, looking to Jesus. We want to know what love is. We want to know what love looks like. We want to know how to love other people. All we have to do is look to Christ. Look to him because he is our perfect example. And he is the one through whom God has shown us his love. And so we need to be connected to that power source. We need to know God's love and experience it for ourselves. And then, in turn, we need to allow God's love to flow through us to others. Those conductors allow electricity to flow through them so that it reaches its intended goal. It says here over and over again that God's love is made complete. Some translations say God's love is made perfect in us. Now, it's not perfect in the sense of without error, right? Because all of us make mistakes, right? None of us are perfect in that sense. But perfect often, and especially in contexts like this, means not, not without error, without mistake, but rather mature or complete or something that fulfills its purpose. And so in, in one sense, we can be perfect or I should say allow God's love to be perfected in us when we allow it to reach its intended goal and its purpose, which isn't just us, but to flow through us to others. God's love is, isn't made complete when it stops with us. It's made complete when it transforms you from the inside out and you begin to love others in the same way. See, that's what John is talking about here in this passage. We can know the perfect love of Jesus for ourselves, but not only for ourselves. Right? We experience God's love in Christ and pass it on to those around us. Right? The only way that we can truly run out of love is by hoarding it for ourselves. Right? If, we, if we become an insulator, right? an insulator is the opposite of a conductor. It does not allow electricity to flow through it. And so if we insulate ourselves from others, what we're really doing is insulating ourselves from God's love as well. If we don't pass it on to others, right, we're never going to, excuse me, if we do pass it on to others, we're never going to run out of it, right? God's love for us is infinite. We're never going to run dry as long as we allow God's love to, to fill us and flow through us. But if we insulate ourselves from others and ultimately from God's love, we will find ourselves running dry, and so we need, to, we need to know God's love for ourselves and then share that with those that God has placed in our lives. It's one thing to know about God's love. It's something else entirely to experience it for yourself. John brackets this passage with this command. So he introduces the idea of God as love, and then he closes the passage in verses 19 through 21, reminding us that we love because he first loved us, that we are called to then pass that love on to others. And so, and then the middle verses give us three ways that we can know about God's love and imitate it in our lives. And so that's what I want to walk you through here today is, is talk about the perfect love of Jesus, what it looks like for us, and then how we can then imitate that and emulate it and share it with those around us. The first is that we see that 
Jesus' love is a sacrificial love. Jesus perfect, Jesus himself perfectly demonstrates God's love for us. We see that in passages like Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. that says that the Son is the image of the invisible God. In Hebrews 1, 3, it says the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In other words, like I said already, if we want to know what God's love looks like, we need to look no further than Jesus. We look to him because he is the one who perfectly represents God's love in this world. He perfectly represents God's grace, his mercy, as well as his holiness and righteousness, right? Jesus is the perfect representation of God. And there's no greater verse to represent that for us and what that means for us than John 3:16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, that's the essence of God's love for us. He didn't just love us with kind words or platitudes. Jesus didn't just care for people's physical and material needs. Those things were good, but they weren't enough. John says that God's love is defined, is made known, is demonstrated through Jesus' atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, that's what true love is. It's the willingness to lay down our lives for another person. To put their needs, their wants, and what's best for them before our own preferences. And we learn two things here about that love. First is that, well, he loved us first. All right, look at uh, chapter John, 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse it's 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Right? That love isn't something that we earned. It's not something we deserved. It's, it's given to us freely because God chose to love us. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5. He says, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God lay, excuse me, God showed his love to us when Christ laid down his life. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Yet we still experienced his love. He loved us first. And the second thing is that his Laying down his life, his sacrifice was an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Also in Romans Paul, chapter 3, Paul says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Jesus laid down his life so that we might be forgiven. Jesus gave himself up so that we could receive his righteousness and be made part of the family of God. See, and so in order to make God's love complete in us, we must be willing to love others like Jesus loved us. In other words, we must be willing to sacrifice of ourselves. Love others in concrete and sacrificial ways. I encourage you after the service today to, to take your Bibles and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a very familiar passage that defines what love is for us. It speaks of things like love being kind, right? 
not envying, not boasting, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Right? If we were to look at that list of uh, how love is described in 1 Corinthians 13, we'll see that love is, an, is described by intentional actions and attitudes. In other words, if you don't feel like loving someone in a particular moment, you can still choose to love them by embodying those verses, by doing what Jesus did and, and, and laying down your life for them. And that includes putting others' needs ahead of their own. One way to look at love is by, by defining it as wanting God's best for another person, setting aside our own personal preferences in order to point them to Christ. Right? Love isn't just wanting someone to be happy, although that can be part of it. Love isn't wanting them to just have whatever they want, although that could be part of it as well in, a, in its own way. But love is truly wanting God's best for them. Which, and what is the best thing that, that God could want for them is to be in a relationship with the Lord. To have their sins forgiven and to be transformed from the inside out to be like Christ. And we need to learn to love the person that is right in front of us, right? The person that God has placed in our path. Our love for each other is practical evidence then of our love for God. And so first we see that our love must be sacrificial because Jesus' love for us was sacrificial. The second thing we see is that Jesus' love for us is relational. We can know God's love for us because he gave us his Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, after Jesus died and rose again and went to be seated at the right hand of the Father, the, the believers, it says, were gathered in a room and they were praying. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit descended and, and indwelled in them. They began to, to preach God's word with boldness and they went out and it was from that day that, in a sense, the church was born. You see, the Holy Spirit has been given to all believers, regardless of age, gender, nationality, how much money you have in your bank account, what your social status is. The Holy Spirit indwells in you if you have a relationship with Christ, if you've trusted in Him. That's a pretty amazing thing if you think about it. Right? The focus in the Old Testament of God's presence was mainly associated with the temple. Right? The temple is where you went to worship God. It was where you went to be in God's presence. But not so anymore. The temple... The, the temple system is no longer in place. And when Christ died on the cross, the, to, the, the curtain was torn in two, representing our access now to God through Christ and his death and his resurrection. And so the, the focus of God's presence is no longer in a particular building or location. It's, it's in you. It's in me. God's spirit dwelling among his people, both in an individual sense as with our relationship with God, but also experienced in the community of the church. In our Connected Bible study this past week, we talked about the importance of, of being connected through words and, and loving each other uh, through our words. And he said that Christ, Jesus, is the one who gives us both the pattern and the power of how to do that. Jesus is the pattern because he's the perfect example of how to love. That's what we talked about in the first point with his sacrificial love. And here we see that Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us to love like he loved. He's the, he's the one through whom we are able to love. In verse 16 it says, not only do we know, but we also rely on the love that God has for us. 
Our experience of his love and particularly through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is what enables us to then love others. And so if we're to follow Jesus' example, we must also be relational. We can't love people at a distance. Right? Think of the story of the Good Samaritan. Right? This man was, was beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. And there were people that passed by that were unwilling to help him. But then a Good Samaritan comes along. And he, laid, he, he put his, literally put his money where his mouth was because he took that person, he cared for them, took them to the closest inn and, 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 and paid for any, any medical treatment and help and provision that this person needed. The neighbor was the one who showed mercy to the person who was in need. They were willing to get their hands dirty and love them in a real and practical way. You see, relationships are messy and hard. When we, when we open ourselves up, we're, we're potentially opening ourselves up to hurt, but, but really that's the only way we can truly love someone. So the question for you today is, who has God placed in your life that you can show love to? Who's the individual? Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's quite literally your neighbor. But who has God placed in your life that you can, you can, begin a relationship with, that you can, you can love on them in a real and practical way, no longer keeping them at an arm's distance, but allowing them to, to be a part of your life. So Jesus' love is sacrificial, it's relational, and we see here also it is fearless. In verses 16 through 19, John reminds us that we can have confidence before God by living and loving others like Jesus. Once again, in Romans chapter 13, Paul writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever the other commandments there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We know we can have confidence before God when we learn to love like Jesus loved us. Because love is really the fulfillment of the law, our love for God and our love for others. And so therefore, we don't have to fear. Fear has to do with punishment, John says. As Christians, we don't have to fear the judgment of God. We can have confidence because of Jesus' perfect love for us. He laid down his life. He took our sin upon his shoulders. And therefore, we don't have to fear that judgment. Psalm 103:11 through 12 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. So as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Therefore we have nothing to fear. We are forgiven in Christ. See, God's love for us is a, is a, is a saving and sanctifying love. He accepts us just as we are, and his love also transforms our hearts to make us more like him. And so therefore, if we want to love like Jesus loved, we must be bold and love others unconditionally. Just as God accepted us in Christ, we must also be willing to accept those that God has placed in our lives. Be willing to show love. And excuse me, we don't just show love in order to get something in return, right? That's not truly love. If we place conditions on it, I will love you if you do this for me, that's not truly representing the love of Christ. Hardly anyone is won over by sound, logical arguments, but I've heard countless stories of people 
whose lives are changed because people have demonstrated the perfect love of God in real and practical ways. Right? That's the kind of love that God desires for us to, to, to show in this world, to conduct in this world. Now, when I say that we love others unconditionally, you know, that doesn't mean that we, we compromise our beliefs or compromise our faith in Christ. That means that we demonstrate our faith in Christ. We make it real and practical by loving others in the way that Christ loved us. If God loved us while we were still sinners and died for us in our place, then we must be willing to show and extend that same love to others, even those we disagree with, even those we don't see eye to eye with. We must be willing to, to put our love into practice, put our faith into practice by loving them just as Christ loved us. And that means ultimately pointing them to Christ and the perfect love of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you have shown us the perfect love of Christ. Thank you, Lord God, that, that you are love. It is your, in your nature, in your essence, to love us. And we, you have showed us that perfectly through the person of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. I ask now that you would help us to love others in that same way, sacrificially, relationally, and boldly. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I encourage you now to stand and sing with us our closing song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. The words are printed in your bulletin. Cheers.
Just a reminder as well, if you are able to stick around, a packing party for Operation Christmas Child will be happening uh, after the service down in the church social room. Um, any help there would be greatly appreciated. Now may the love of God, uh, excuse me, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You may go in peace. Amen. Oh, no.